amen, amen. Amen, amen. Amen, amen. Come on, let's get the Lord another hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. I believe you're ready for the word. I know you're ready for the word. Amen. I don't believe God would have had me up all night if his people were not ready for the word. Amen. Get your Bible. Let's get right into God's word. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 through verse 6. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 through verse number 6. I talk to a lot of people, and the first thing people say to me is, they don't have that like that here, Pastor. I got a good friend named Dr. Hawkins. Some of y'all probably know Dr. Frederick. You're probably going to hear this tape one day, Dr. Freddie Hawkins. He said, Pastor, it ain't like that here. I said, Brother, I know that. That's why you got to get the word while you can. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter number 3, verse 1 through verse 6. Are you there? Let's read together. Do we begin to commend ourselves, or need we, or some other epistle of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you, you are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of a living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. And such trust have we through Christ to God. What? Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also has made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. Now, we're going to give you, uh, today we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. It's what we have been teaching. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and verse 14. And then we're going to give you one more verse at Ephesians 4.30. You can take your seats. Ephesians chapter number 1, verse 13 and 14. We want you to read that before you take your seat today. Are you there? In Ephesians 1, 13, In whom also you trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the honest of our inheritance, unto the redemption of the precious possession, unto the praise of his glory, now you want to go to do Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30, just one verse. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. We have already taught this, but we're just going to do this, and we're going to get in our message today. We've got a lot of new information. Ephesians 4, 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed with, unto the day of redemption. You may be seated. Holy Spirit, thank you now for your grace, for your mercy, for your love, for your kindness. Thank you for your wisdom, your knowledge, your understanding. Thank you for your righteousness, your peace, and your joy in the Holy Spirit. Thank you for making us sons in the new covenant. 
We can only be children of God, sons of God in the new covenant. Now we bless you, we praise you, we appreciate you now. Teach us, lead us, and guide us, and yeah, Lord, help us. In Jesus' holy name we pray. All the grief that prayer said, amen. amen. All right, now what we want to do today is continue. Uh, this morning we did volume six, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, part five. We're going to close out the ministry of the Holy Spirit today, uh, part six. And we want you to understand the word of God. We have given you this. Uh, I don't know if we have it on the screen or not, but Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3 told you what God had done. Ephesians chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3 told you what God had already done for us. Chapter number, that's on the screen, and chapter number 4, 5, and 6 is what we can do for God. So I, the whole thing is he saved us. He wants us to live for him. Say that with me. God saved us. He wants us to live for him. All right, so the whole thing is in the new covenant. You cannot be sons until the new covenant. Old Testament, they were not God's sons. They were God's people. They were called the people of God. In the new covenant, you're called the children of God. The word children means sons. And so you have to understand the difference that what God has done. And the only way you can become God's children you had to have the Holy Spirit. So this morning, I talked on the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and then I said, in this teaching, we're going to go into uh, why do I need the Holy Spirit? Because that is what my message is bringing me into. Why do I need the Holy Spirit? See, the key is, you cannot change until you have the Holy Spirit. You can go to church, you'll be a good churchgoer, but your life will never change until you hold the Holy Spirit. You'll, you'll never grow. You can't grow spiritually because you don't have the Spirit. And so this is this is message that I want you to take it personal because you've got to examine yourself. You've got to make sure that Christ is here. You can't just take for granted. You, just, you know, you, you, I know he's here. It's, it's one thing, but you better know by the Word. You've got to know by the Word and, and what you believe. Uh, I'm going to show you that in... Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, uh, just one verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. So we showed you this morning all the things that God had done. I'm going to give you a little snap, you know, now, but it said uh, 1 Corinthians, that's not what I want, 2 Corinthians 13 and 5, forgive me. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. You got to make sure God is in you. Examine yourself. 2 Corinthians 13, 5, first you got to examine yourself. I can't examine you. You got to examine yourself. You're the only one to know that the Holy Spirit is in you. And if he's not in you, we're going to go next, and we're going to show you that in Romans chapter 8, and verse 9. If the Holy Spirit is not in you, then you are not God's son. You're not God's child. You just go to church. And that's not what you want. You don't want to go to church all your life and you never had relationship. You don't want that. You know, I, I, uh, uh, I said this before, and my, my wife, my wife understands this, that uh, it's an awesome thing to like that really happened to us in our family. My first cousin and her auntie, we didn't know this, but they used to stay together for 20 years. In Florida, my mother first cousin, and put it that way. 
my mother first cousin, and my wife aunt lived together for 20 years and never married. Now, this is what makes that so awesome. That the person that used to be married to him, when he passed, got the money. Because she lived with him for 20 years. But that didn't matter when it came down to who got the money. The person that was married got the money. Just want to tell you. <laughs> hope, I hope it sink in. Down, down. But see, God is not really responsible to take care of us if we are not his children. Let me say it again. God is not responsible to take care of me if I'm not his child. See, if I have a child, you have a child, I marry you, that's my child. I now become responsible for your child. Through marriage. Okay. Now, that's what relationship does. So if the spirit of the living God is not in you, you're not, you're not his. And he is not responsible to take care of you. Now, he'll do so much for you anyway because he created you. But you're not his child. To be, to have all of the benefits and all of the promises and all of the things that God has in his word, you must become his child. And the way that happened is by the Holy Spirit. So we are talking about today the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we are in volume six, part six. And we are talking about grieve not the Holy Spirit. We have talked about that. Now we are getting to a new part of the message. And it's examine yourselves, number one, whether you be in the faith. You got to examine yourself. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves. I like Paul. He, I, I know he wasn't from the South, but he sounded like it. <laughs> know ye not your own selves. How that Jesus Christ is in you. You have to know where he is. Where is he? He's in you. If he's not in you, you're reprobate. Or you're not God's child. Let me show you one more. Romans chapter 8, verse number 9. See, you don't get the blessings and the promises of God just because you go to do a faith Christian church. Or just because you confess the word. You must have Christ in you. Somebody say amen. amen. But you are not in the flesh, but you are in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God lives in you. But if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. So if the spirit of Christ, which is the spirit of the son, if he live in your soul, then you are God's son. Now, that's why I gave you Ephesians chapter 1. Let's go back to Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. People are teaching you that you can ask for the Holy Spirit. That's not the new covenant. You don't want to believe that for your salvation. I gave you that, and I think in the Gospel of St. Luke, somebody can find it for me. If any man uh, asks for the Holy Spirit, see, that's, that's what we used to teach. 
that you can get the Holy Spirit by asking. And then, if you ask, if you go on the website, you'll find out that it tell you James chapter 1. Ask. I'm not just telling you something. That's not how you saved. You don't get the Holy Spirit by accident. And then in the Gospel of St. Luke, somebody can find me that we quoted before, that it told you that 11, 13, we're going to go to that. Those two verses. Now, there's a denomination that we used to be. That's how they taught that. That you get the Holy Spirit by accident. And you do not get the Holy Spirit by accident. I'm, I'm showing you in Ephesians chapter 1, 2, 3, that God has given you everything up front. And all he asks you to do, he died for you to have everything he, living, he wants you to live for him. And what happens is we, we think we're doing it. We think we can compromise with God. It's okay. Listen, God had people before he had children. So we have to understand that. So he's been through all this before. If you then, being evil, know how to give a good gift to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Now, this is what a denomination teaches. We used to be that denomination. You don't get the Holy Spirit by asking him. And then there's James chapter 1. But here's the message that you need. Luke, uh, I mean, the Ephesians chapter 1, 13 and 14. Now, I told you this morning, you got a phone, just Google and ask, how can you receive the Holy Spirit at this church? I don't have to tell you the name of the church. Name any church. <laughs> in whom also you trusted. The Bible told you how to receive the Holy Spirit. In whom also how you trusted after you heard the word of truth. That's why next week I'm going to start a new series here, and I'm going to teach you the Word of God. That's exactly what I'm going to teach you is the Word of God. See, the Word of truth is the Word of God. Amen. Let me say it this way. Don't drop your cup. But the Word of faith is not the Word of God. Amen. The Word of faith comes out of the Word of God. The word of faith means the message of faith. The word of truth means the message of Christ. See, Romans chapter 1, now I'm going through these as I'm saying them. I'm, I, I want to stay where we're at right now. It says, in whom also you trusted, number one, trusted, after you heard the word of truth, it didn't say you heard the word of faith. It did not say you heard the word of I thought you might know all three of them by now. The word of life. Thank you. Some of y'all know. Thank you. Help the other, bump the other, let them know that, okay? See, there's the word of life, there's the word of faith, then there's the word of truth. And then there is the word of God. One of those is the word of God. For you. And the word of truth is the word of God. That's what Paul preached. He said, in whom also you trust after you heard the word of faith. No. After you heard the word of truth. The gospel of your salvation. In whom also after you believed the word of truth, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. 
which is earnest of our inheritance. The word earnest means the, the down portion. You don't have it all yet. That's all it means. You got the Holy Spirit which guarantees you everything. The earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the person possession unto the praise of his glory. So in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, 17, verse 15, 16, 17, told me about the gospel of Christ. Now it took me, I've been in ministry now 40 years, over 20 years, I'm going to say at least 20 years, before I came into the knowledge of the truth. So much as in me is, Paul says, I'm ready to preach the gospel, he's talking about the gospel of Christ, the gospel to you that are at Rome. From here we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Which gospel? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. The word gospel being good news about Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. It's the power of God unto salvation. This is how you get your salvation. To everyone that believe it. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. So you don't get salvation. Why? Because in there, therein means in there, in the word of truth, in the gospel of Christ, the righteousness of God is revealed. Not manifested, revealed. Not manifested, revealed. From faith to faith, it is written, the just shall live by faith. So, so next week, we're going to take you into deep water and hope you'll be here. And I don't, when you get some truth now, don't go out and try to straight everybody out. You know, we just heard something this morning. Said, y'all see y'all over here, y'all going to hell. You, you, that's not what the word is, word is for. The word is somebody come ask you. Not you go out and try to straighten somebody else out. The word of God is the sword of the spirit. You need the word for your spirit. So when the enemy comes to you, you have the word. All right. Now. I, I said anything else? I, I'm at, what is that, 2 Corinthians? Yeah, I'm saying, why am I there? <laughs> yeah, I, I won't, I, I'm not going to talk about none of that now, so we, I got to get to my message. Okay, I don't need none of that. Yeah, okay. Now, I want, I want to sh show you, first of all, Ephesians chapter 1, 2, 3 is what God had done. Ephesians chapter 4, 5, 6 is how God wants us to live. Now, I showed you about be not grieved, gr the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 4, 30. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby we are sealed unto the day of redemption. All right, that means when, when you get saved, that means Christ come into your spirit and save you. Okay, now I gave you some thing God gave you, already done for you. See, that's the difference in the word of faith and the word of truth. The word of truth is already given you. That's the message. The word of faith, you're trying to get some. You give your faith and you get what you got to have. And you get it by faith. 
The word of truth, you're not getting nothing. You are, when you're in Christ, you got everything. So here, Ephesians 1 and 3 is told you, God has blessed us. That's in your Bible. Verse 4 says, he has chosen us. Also, he has called us. Those just some supporting verses. God already saved us in the gospel of grace. He did it on the cross. He already predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. He's already made us accepted in Christ. God has already delivered us. He's already justified us. He's already sealed us, already given us an inheritance in Christ. God gave us his son. See, all that's been given you, and all God asks you to do is live for him. He died for you so you could live for him. Let's look at Ephesians 4.1. So when Paul starts out the book of Ephesians chapter 4, he's dealing with your walk. So we're going to look at a few of these today uh, about, about your walk. So after here, we go to John 8, 8 and 12. We're going to show you some things. I therefore, the prison of our Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy. Now, the word walk does not mean just physically walking. He's talking about how you live your life. Live your life worthy of the vocation. The word vocation means the calling. God called you to be children. God called you to be a son. Walk worthy of that. Live like it. All right? Uh, wherewith he has called. Then in verse, let's go, let's go run through some of these. Let's go to John 8, 12. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go through those. I'm just showing the word is. They can get it. John 8, 12. Uh, then spake Jesus again to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that follow me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Well, if I'm going to have the light of life following Jesus, now I'm in Christ, I must have the light of life now. You see? So that's who Christ is. Christ is God's life, and it's God's light. Okay? Romans 6, 4. Just going to show you a few of these. Headed to my message. In Romans chapter 6 and verse number 4. Romans chapter 6 and verse 4. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. If we have Christ, he is the new life. We're supposed to walk in the newness of life. Let's show you one more. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 through 4. Why do we need the Holy Spirit is what we're getting ready to show you. This morning, we showed you Israel and how God had done everything for Israel, and yet they rebelled against God. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. In Christ is the same as if I was in the days of Noah, I would be in the ark. That was a type of in Christ. Everybody in Christ lived. Everybody in the ark lived. If you're not in Christ, you're dead. That's just that simple. That's 1 Corinthians 15, 22. We'll show it to you in a moment. Therefore, now there is no condemnation to them which are in Christ who walk now after the flesh. He's here talking about your walk. You don't walk after the flesh anymore. You walk after the spirit. You live in the spirit. Now, there are things that's in the flesh. If you do not destroy them, they will destroy you. That's very simple. And I want somebody to find that for me. Uh, 
I think it's in Galatians 5, but you can find it. For, but, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from two laws, from the law of sin and from the law of death. I'm already free from the law of sin. Sin does not reign over me anymore. I'm free from that law. And then I'm free from the law of death. Death has no power over me anymore because I'm in Christ. Then the word of God told us for what the law could not do. For what the law could not do. Yes, we have euthanasia today. Sure we do. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. God sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin. For sin. And he came and condemned sin in the flesh. He came and he condemned sin in the flesh. Why did he do it? That the righteousness of the law, the righteousness of the law, might be fulfilling us. See, the righteousness of the law has been fulfilling in you because Christ is in you. Who walk not after the flesh. Once again, we walk not the flesh, but we walk after the spirit. All right? Now, uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, 22 told us, in Adam all die. So if you're in Adam, all die. If you're still in Adam, you're not in Christ. You only made a lie when God put you in Christ. In Christ, all shall be made alive. Say that with me. In Christ, in Christ. all shall be made alive. All right. You're not made alive till you're in Christ. All right. Now, that's what God does. He puts you in Christ. He makes you alive. All right. Now, let's get into why I need the Holy Spirit. Now, let's go to Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. Titus 2, 11 and 12. Why do I need the Holy Spirit? Well, I'm going to show you what the Holy Spirit does. Let's do, let's do it another way. Let's go to the Gospel of John first and verse 26. The Gospel of John chapter 14, verse 26. Let's go to the Gospel of John first, verse 26. What does the Holy Spirit do? What is he responsible for doing in your life? See, you have a responsibility to God. God showed me this morning with Israel. What happened to Israel is he made them wealthy and then they didn't want God. That's what happened to Israel. He made them wealthy and they did not want God. See, God blesses you, then he stands back and watches you. God blesses you, and then he washes you. Because God want to know, will wealth can take you away from him? See, there was a day in your life when you did not have, and it was Jesus, 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 tears running out your eyes. Jesus, Jesus. Now when people say Jesus doesn't do, don't do nothing to you. See, you got to understand something. Things in your life that God gives you, don't let that take you from him. Because he, he's going to always be there. I, I went through some, some good things this morning. You need to get that tape. Showed you what Israel went through. See, there's another place I'm going to show you in, in Israel, and I'm going to show you that, that, they, that they, somebody can find this for me, that their shoes never wore out. Now, you try to walk through the wilderness for 40 years in the shoes you got right now. I guarantee you'll come back saying, and there, there was no store. 
There was no store you can go to in the wilderness and buy some more shoes. And yet God would not let them wear out. See, you, you can't tell me what it can't do. I got a whole book. But can you believe him? Can you trust him that far? Now, let's, let's go to work. John 14, 26. Now, in John chapter 14 and verse 26, it's the teaching of the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus is teaching them the Holy Spirit in John 14 and 6, just like Moses did in Exodus chapter 23, because Moses getting ready to take them into the inheritance. He's getting ready to turn them over to Joshua. They're getting ready to go into the inheritance. So when I taught you Exodus chapter 23, verse 20, he introduced them to the angel of the Lord and told them that we'll look at that just a moment. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. Remember, Jesus is going to die. He's getting ready to leave them, and he wants to have a few words with them before we leave. And now he's going to tell them that he's going to go. But he's going to let them know, I'm not just leaving you comfortless. I'm going to turn you over to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's going to take you from here, and he's going to take you into all other things I've been telling you about for the last three years. I'm getting ready to go. And they began to weep. And here's, here's a recording, John 14, 26. These things have I spoken to you, yet being present with you, but the comforter which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. He shall bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you. Peace I give you. Not as the world giveth, giveth I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard how I say I go away and I come again. If you love me, you will rejoice. Because I said I go to the Father, and my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it come to pass, that when it's come to pass, you might believe. Herein I will not talk with you much, for the princess world cometh and hath nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and the Father has given me a commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go. He had to die buried and raised again. He had to come and pay our sin debt and raise it, be raised from the dead for our justification. And now we can be able to worship him and be with him in the spirit realm. In that fleshly realm, he can only be with Peter, James, and John and his 12 disciples at one time. Resurrected from the dead, he can be with you, 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 and you at the same time. Somebody ought to give him praise in the house. So you don't have to worry about being on Delta Airlines and he's not there. Anywhere you go, he's with you. But see, if he didn't die, it couldn't happen. How is he with me, Pastor? He is the Holy Ghost. He is the Holy Spirit of God. All right, now, let's, let's move on. So I'm showing you by the Word of God uh, Okay, let me, let me do that when she got that on the screen. And what's that, Deuteronomy 29? Okay, let me go back. I know that's, that's another one, in, uh, but I'll do that one. This, they got them all. It's all, all through the Word, so 
Deuteronomy 20, 29 and verse 5. Okay. It says, and I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. That's a long time. I've led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes are not waxing old upon you. 40 years came out of Egypt. And he looked at them and says, man, that clothes looked just like it was when you came out of Egypt. Have not got old upon you. Now, you got to understand something. People grow. Just, just think, just think a little bit. It's an awesome thing when God gives you a growing outfit. <laughs> what an awesome God we serve, amen. I led you 40 years in the wilderness. We're not talking about downtown Pontiac. We're talking about in the wilderness where there was nothing but serpents. No water, no food. And your clothes and your sandals did not even wear out. Forty years you walk around with the same shoes on. Can't even imagine. As a matter of fact, if I can only imagine. That's the kind of God we serve. But the key is they rebelled against God. Let me show you that one verse. They did rebel against God. Out of all God did for them, look at Exodus chapter number 23 and verse 20. That was the whole issue. God did all of this, and yet they rebelled. That's why I'm teaching you Ephesians chapter 1, 2, 3. It's everything God had done for you. When he saved you, he gave you everything. And all he asked you to do is live for him. Exodus 20, 23, 20 said, Behold, I sent an angel. Talking about the Holy Spirit. That's a capital A. I sent an angel before you, number one, to keep you in, in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not, and he will not pardon your transgression, nor for my name is in him. If thou shalt obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I'll be an enemy to your enemies. I'll be an adversary to your adversaries. My angels shall go before you and bring you into the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites, Jebusites, and I will cut them off. Thou shalt not, here's what he asked them to do. Thou shalt not bow down to their gods. See, what ends up happening is, don't let the world people take you from God. Don't let the world's people take you from God. See, there are people who will go to church every now and then, but you may be a person who go to church every Sunday. But if you get with them, guess what? Won't be long. You'll be going once a month, every other month. See, that's what happens. That's what God watches. Watch what he says. Thou shalt not bow down to their gods. Don't serve their gods. Don't do after their works. But thou shalt overthrow them, quite break down their images. And you shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless your bread and your water. See, your word bread means your provisions. He'll bless what you need. 
He'll bless your bread and your water. And then he says that I would take sickness from the midst of you. Now he did that with the cross. That was what the cross did. It took away sickness from Israel. He took away the curse from Israel. Now, that's some of the things I went through this morning, all the things that God had done. But why do I need the Holy Spirit? Let's get, let's get, so he shall teach you, John 14, 26, one more time, we're going to go. Here, here we go, here we go, you got it on the screen. Uh, Titus 2, 11 and 12. The Holy Ghost teaches us. Now watch what it says, the grace of God. This is why you got to preach Christ. This is why you got to preach Christ. This morning I told you many churches teach Jesus. And most people don't know the difference. That's why I'm going to start a series next week. You got to know the difference between Jesus and Christ. Let me show you quickly. I, I always like to just put this out there quickly because if you don't know, you don't even, you don't even know. There are people sit up in the church and they go to church. They don't even know. Because they responsibility is I attend the church. But you don't have that mindset when, it, when you go to a doctor. If you walk into a doctor's office and I was sitting up in that chair behind that seat and I told you, come on in, what do you need? You'd be like, you pass a crump, aren't you? So, yeah, you're going to be like, this is the doctor's office? Yeah, are you the doctor? Yeah. Bye. Because you're not going to come in there and let me do no search on you or nothing else. And if I came to the office and saw you, I would probably say the same thing. But my point, my point is, I'm not a doctor. I'm a pastor. So my place is here to teach you. But if I go to Dr. Quinn, this is a, this is a medical doctor here, right? This lady right here, one of my nurses. If I go to her office, then I understand. She knows what's going on. So you gotta, you got to be able to understand there are people qualified for certain things. So when it comes down to the Word of God, everybody is not qualified to teach this book. Amen. Now, I had to learn. It took me a lot of years. It took me a lot of years, 40 years to learn. I'm just going to give you this one verse. I gave it to this morning class, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. See, in Isaiah 9 and 6, I used to teach Jesus because I didn't know. There's a difference in you teaching Jesus. If I teach you Jesus, I'm teaching you the word of life. Now, remember, that's why Eve ate of the wrong tree. She didn't know any better. Because all the trees look just alike. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. That's two different things he just says. Number one, on this side, there's a child born. If you got a child, you got a little child. A child. Jesus was a child. And I'm going to show you in the word that Jesus was Mary's child. Now, we was going to go through this morning. Make sure you give me that one verse now. Her son. Her firstborn son. For unto us a child is born. Then somebody else can find the one that in Eve, in Eve, Adam and Eve, when Eve born her first child, she said, I have begotten a man child from the Lord. For unto us a child is born. On this side of the cross, Jesus Christ was God's child, son in the flesh. On this side of the cross, you are in Christ's ministry. Before the cross, 
you in Jesus' ministry. And this side of the cross is the word of life. He's physical, touching, word of life. That's why 1 John talk about word of life. We get this next week. But on this side of the cross, you're in Christ. So he said, under us a child is born, Jesus. Call his name Jesus. He shall save his people from their sins. On this side, Christ died for the sins of all men. So that's why you see people who feel like they have a monopoly over Jesus. And he's Mary's baby. But they are right. He was Mary's baby. But he not Mary baby no more. Mary born the child, but not Christ. Okay, so let's put these two together. And we're going to go back to the one I just gave you. And Adam knew his wife Eve. She conceived and bear who? Cain was not God's son. It was not Adam's son. And I said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Who said that? No, you about to listen real good. Listen good. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and she said. Got to read it good. She bare Cain and she said, I have, I, I, the woman says, I have gotten a man from the Lord. I. Cain was Eve's son. So when you get down to when Christ came, that's why Genesis 3.15 was fulfilled when Christ came. Go on while you're in Genesis. Look at 3.15. Abel was Adam's son. That's why all through the genealogies in the Old Covenant in Genesis especially, you have two sons. Abraham had two sons. He has two wives. Those things mean covenants. So that's why he had Isaac and he had Ismael. He had Jacob and he had Esau. All the way down through the world, he had was two sons. Well, one of those sons was the son of the devil and the son of God. So when Jesus came, then you had the children of Cain and the children of God. And that's why the children of Cain killed Jesus. Because if you go back to Genesis, who killed Abel? If you know the difference, they were two sons. Cain killed Abel. So when you come down here to Jesus, who's going to kill Jesus? The children of Cain. That's why he called them children of the devil. He called them generations of serpents. That was John. That's who John called him. And we'll show you that in Matthew chapter 3. And verse 1 through 7. Uh, I'm waiting on whatever you have. Whatever you got. She shall bring forth a son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall save his people from their sins. That's why he had to come back to them. Because they rejected Christ, but they received Jesus. Christ was preached to the Gentiles. Jesus was given to the Jews. He called the Jews his people. The woman who wanted to be healed 
He says, not right to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. He called the Gentile dogs. He said, I'm only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He was their brother. As Joseph was their brother. And he knew her not till she brought forth her, 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 her. Eve, I'm sorry, Mary brought forth her firstborn son and called his name Jesus. So Mary was Eve. Do you see that? So God is looking at Adam and Eve just like he's looking at uh, in the new covenant how now since the man came from the woman and the woman came from the man in Genesis the woman came from the man in the New Testament the man gonna come from the woman. You ain't ready for that one. Let me move on. That's what Timothy, Paul told Timothy. I will put enmity, Genesis 3.15. I will put enmity between thee and the woman. I'm going to put enmity. That's the scripture you asked about, Josh. I will put enmity between thee and the woman. My son, my son sent me something, and he says, Isaac dug three wells, and one of them was called enmity. He said, Dad, do you see it? Three wells? He says, that's death being resurrection. And the last one was called freedom. Let me move on. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman. Between thee and the woman. This is what God says. Between her seed. It didn't say Adam's seed. It said her seed. Cain was the seed of the woman. I will put enmity, hate, Struggle, tension between her seed and your seed. It. Her seed is it. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. So Christ is going to bruise this serpent head. So you have to be able to see what happened. Now, when you, when you get in the new covenant, you have Christ. Now look at, look at one more before I go from there. And that's Acts 2.36. So what, this is what a lot of people got to understand. What happened to Jesus? When God raised Jesus from the dead, he gave him the power and authority of the first Adam. When God raised Jesus from the dead, he gave him the power and authority of the first Adam. See, the first Adam lost the power and authority to Satan because he was deceived. And that's why the devil was called the God of this world. And that's why he was able to give his power to whoever will in the old covenant. So when Nebuchadnezzar came on the scene, all of those Old Testament kings, he, he, he gave them power against Israel. Their power was to destroy Israel because through Israel will come, become a king. Let me say it again. He gave them power to destroy Israel because through Israel it was prophesied by Balaam, Balaam and Balak, that story, that 
through Israel will become the king. So that's why they want the, all those people like Nebuchadnezzar and the king after Nebuchadnezzar and the king who destroyed Nebuchadnezzar, the, 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 uh, the Medes and the Persians came together and destroyed Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. And then you had the Grecians who destroyed the Medes and the Persians. Then you had the Romans. You got all that in history. You got all this in, in, in high school. You got, I'm just telling you something you already know, a debt you already flunked. Uh, <laughs> and then the Romans, and then the Romans, the Romans destroyed the Grecians. That's why when Jesus came, Caesar was in, in the charge. But it was, he got the power through Satan. So that's why when he came to the cross and he told you, don't, you, you know that I got power? What did he say to him? I got power to do what? I'm just trying to see the y'all know I might just up here talking. I got power to set you free. Oh, I got power to crucify you. I'm crying. I just helped y'all out, okay? And Jesus said to them, you would not have any power at all if it was not given to you from above. Otherwise, that's why I'm here. The power you got that you telling me about, as soon as I'm dead, buried, and raised again, I would have that back. That's why... That's why he spoiled principalities and powers, made sure of them open and triumphed over him, and he took all his power back and gave it to the church. Let me say it again. He took all his power back and, from the devil and all of his principalities and power and gave all his power to the church. And that's why Paul talked about in Ephesians how we have to pray. Go to Ephesians 1.18. There's on the screen, John 19, 11. Jesus said to them, Thou could have no power at all against me except it were given you from above. Therefore, he that delivered me to you has the greater sin. So that's why when Jesus rose from the dead, he took all his power back. Now, I'm, I'm going to teach something here now because I'm going to get into why do I need the Holy Spirit. See, none of this is any good. The power, we're talking about Ephesians 1, 18 is where you're going you don't, all this will do you no good if you don't understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life. If the word of God does not become the main object in your life, all these things I'm talking about, God can't fulfill in your life. This is what Paul prayed for the church, that the eyes of your understanding, all this on podcasts, all this on YouTube, it's just free, you just download it. Just, just, just giving it to you. Because I want you to know, the eyes, all these things have been taught, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what's the hope is called, all these on, on, on there for you to listen to. What's the hope, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance of saints, all that's there. And then here's the next one, verse 19 is where I'm going. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? What is the exceeding greatness of his power? Watch this, to us who believe. He gave his power to us who believe, According to the working of his mighty power, he gave you the power. The same power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, set him in his own right hand in heavenly places. And I'm going to show you that power that raised Jesus from the dead is called the Holy Ghost. 
and he gave you the Holy Ghost, you have the same power. Put that on the board. The same one, which he wrought in Christ. He's talking about the power which he operated in Christ when he raised him from the dead. That's the same power you got. You got resurrection power. Look at somebody and say, I have, I have. resurrection power. power. Right. When he raised Jesus from the dead, set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, high above all principality and power, might, dominion, every name, this name, not only in this world, but also in that world to come. He's talking about, well, you had not grace. Grace is the, at that time, I'm in the days of Paul, the world to come, after Jesus comes back to the Jews, the world to come will be grace. That's the world you're living in. Thank you, Lord. You are not living in the time, you're living in eternity. That's why you have to have the Holy Spirit. There's no tomorrow in your covenant. It's only today. That's why so many people don't understand you got to have faith in the New Testament because you have to believe God. You have to obey his voice and you have to understand his voice or you're going to be trying to get things yourself. So what happened if something happened to you? You're done. You got to understand that in the new covenant, someone take care of you. Somebody's keeping you. Somebody's leading you and guiding you and helping you and teaching you. All this stuff is coming from the Holy Spirit. And that's all I can keep telling you. I'm going to do a series on the renewing of the mind like I never have known before. The Holy Spirit said to me, I was sitting watching a movie. I stumbled upon this movie because I, I didn't find it. I just cut TV on and I, on some station and I saw uh, something about a, a notebook. The name of the movie, The Notebook. But I was watching and I said, you know what, Sister Crump going to like this. That's why I sit and watch it. And I told Sister Crump about it. I said, we're going to go watch it. But I had never watched it that far. At the end, the woman was in a nursing home and the man, and they brought her children to her and her grandchildren. And she just laughed and talked, but she didn't know they were hers. She had lost her mind. She was just fine. But she had lost her mind. And then our mind will come back a while. And then our mind will go. And God said that to me when I was watching that. He said, son, this is why you got to give the people the word. He said, if you give them the word, they receive the word. That word will keep their mind. But then he said, what he showed me won't work unless they take it and renew their mind. You got to get the stuff out your mind that's corrupting it. Let's start next Sunday. All right, now let's go to uh, Ephesians chapter 4. So why do I need the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is going to teach us all things, going to bring all things to my remembrance. So why do I need the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit teaches us. Go back to, I'm sorry, Titus 2, 11, and 12. I didn't finish that. I'm not going to go back there. I was going to say Exodus 23, but I don't have the time. That's your, that's your portion. For the grace of God that brings salvation. Watch what it said. The grace of God that brings salvation hath already appeared. See, Christ had already appeared to all men. That was the first time. 
But why did God give them the grace of God? Why did he give us the grace of God? To teach us. What he's teaching us? To deny ungodliness. See, the grace of God, if you get, to, get taught the word, you're taught to deny ungodliness. You're taught to deny worldly lust. You're taught to live soberly. You're taught to live righteously and godly in this present world. That's what you got to be taught. Why do I need that? Ephesians chapter number 4, verse 11. That's why you need a pastor. That's why you need somebody who know the word, somebody who live the word in your life so you can see the example. See, it doesn't do no good if I can hear somebody saying it, but nobody living it. Somebody living. I'm living. I'm showing you how to live. We, this is our 50th year of marriage. We just celebrated 50 years of marriage. I'm showing you that you can live, you can live and stay married 50 years. It's possible. But you're going to have to understand that you're going to have to want to work. You're going to have to want to work. If all of this is going to happen, you can't make this happen yourself. How did God do it? He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. Why did God do that? For the perfecting of the saints and for the work of the ministry and for the edifying, edify, build up the body of Christ. That's my responsibility is to build up the body of Christ. How long, pastor, till we come to the unity of the faith? Until we come to the unity of the faith. That way we, we all be believing the same thing. And we'll come to the knowledge of the Son of God. We'll, we'll know. Until a perfect man, until the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's my responsibility. That we henceforth, no more, be no more children. Look at somebody and say, be no more children. That's what he's talking about in the way you live. Be no more children tossed to and fro. See, if you can still sit and watch a lot of stuff on Christian television, whew, shame on you. Because most of the stuff on Christian television, I can't even watch no more. And I used to be glued to that. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, caring about with every wind of doctrine. I'm not saying not some good people in the teaching the world. There are a few more left. But not like I can put them and just leave it. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about every, doc, every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, whereby they lie in craftiness. The whole thing they're trying to do is deceive you. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. You've got to learn how to speak the truth in love. From whom the whole body, fitly joined together, compacted that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, make it increase of the body. It takes the whole body working together to make increase of the body until the edifying of itself in love. The church grows when the people walk in love. It doesn't matter what it is. A marriage grows when a person walks in love. I just did a thing on Spotify, a podcast for my son, talking about wedding and marriage and dating. And one of the things that God said to me in that is he was asking me how we stayed married for 50 years. you got to learn how to forgive. And if you can't forget and you hold grudges, you are not walking in love. You're walking out for the flesh. 
How are you going to be married to a woman 50 years and you mad every day? You got to understand something. You got to forgive. It doesn't make no difference what they did. You got to loose that, let that go, forgive them. When you forgive somebody, you release them. You are not to walk around holding on to somebody, and every chance you get a chance, you, you, you got them under your coat, and you think about it, you... <laughs> you're holding somebody bunny. Look at somebody and say, are you holding anybody in bunny? I don't care what they've done to you, you got to let them go. Loose them and let them go. Well, you don't know what they did. I know you don't know what Jesus did. Because once you find out that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Go to, go, to, go to Ephesians 15, 26 and 27. I'm almost done. 1 John 15. You, you just got somebody there. You can hit them anytime you get ready. All I need is somebody to bring their name up so I can get them. John 15, 26. See, that's what people say. Soon you say something about something. Don't, don't talk about them around me. See, you, you the one got the problem. John 15, 26. But when the comforter, but when the comforter comes, see, once you receive the Holy Spirit, whom I will send from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who's received from the Father, he shall testify of me. If, if, if the comfort is going to testify, verse 27, you also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. What does it mean when it said the comforter is going to testify of me? I'm going to show it to you. Go to 1 John 5, 6. The Holy Ghost says when the comfort has come, he's going to testify of me. Well, what does it mean for the Holy Ghost to testify of you? See, the word of God gave you clear. First uh, John 5, 6, that's what I gave you. This is he that come by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And if the spirit, this is part I want to get to, if the spirit that bear witness, he going to testify of me. He going to testify. What is he going to do? He going to bear witness of me because the spirit is true. What is he going to do? He going to testify. What does testify mean? He going to bear witness. Let me show it to you what it really means. Let's go to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. If he's going to bear witness of me, what is he going to bear witness? See, when the Holy Ghost comes, the Holy Ghost is going to bear witness. You don't have to worry about, am I God's son? When the Holy Ghost comes, you'll know. Romans 8 and 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead, he that raised up Christ from the dead, shall also quicken your mortal body. Talking about your soul, make your soul alive because the spirit that dwells in you. Verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, we are, we are debtors not to the flesh, but after the spirit. For if we live after the flesh, this is the verse I was telling you about earlier. If you live after the flesh, you're going to die. See, it doesn't matter if you live after the flesh, but if you, but, but if you through the spirit, Put to death, that word mortify means you've got to put to death the deeds of the body. Those things that are going on in your flesh, if you can kill those things, you'll live. If you don't kill them, they'll kill you. 
you got to understand, the thing that has come into your life will destroy you or you will destroy them. Plain and simple. I'm going to read down verse 11 down to verse 17, so I don't know what's going on, Romans chapter 8. For as many are led, for as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We're going to get to it because that's verse 16. You have not received the spirit of abundance again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And here's the word, testify, here it is. The spirit itself should be himself. The spirit himself does what? Bear witness with our spirit. What does it do? He bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So if you are a child of God, a son of God, the spirit in you bear witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. If you say you are, you not the spirit of God in you or even your conscience will deny you. If the spirit of God in you, you will hear the voice of the spirit accept you. Either the spirit will convince you or convict you. If you're children, then you're heirs of God, you're heirs, you're heirs of God, you're joined heirs with Christ. If so be that you suffer with him, you may also be glorified together. That stuff he's talking about is walking in the spirit. Because if you live for him, you will be suffering for him. Believe me. Now let's do the last one. That's John 16, 13 through 15. John chapter 16, verse 13 through 15. The Gospel of John. Why do I need the Holy Ghost? This is the last one, if I can get this done. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come? Here it is. He'll guide you in all truth. He don't, he's not going to speak of himself, but whosoever, whatever he hear, that shall he speak. He will show you things to come. The next verse. He will glorify me. Watch what this means. I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to show you. What the Holy, what the Holy Ghost is going to do when he comes? He's going to glorify me. Let's go to Acts 13, 13. Acts 3, 13. If he's going to glorify me, what does that mean? Acts chapter 3, verse 13. If the Holy Ghost is going to glorify Jesus, what did he do? If he glorified you, my wife said that verse every, every week. She closed her verse out. He named three things. There you go, Brother Mike. Acts 3.13, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our Father, has glorified his Son. What did he do to his Son? Glory. He glorified him, his Son, whom you delivered up, and you denied in the presence of Pilate when he was about to let him go. If he glorified his Son, what did he do to him? Let's go show you, show you quickly. Verse number 14, next verse. But you denied the Holy One and the just, you desired a murderer. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians 6, 14. Just going to show you a couple what he do to him. 1 Corinthians 6, 14. 1 Corinthians 6, 14. And God has both raised up the Lord, there it is. He has raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his own power. He raised up the Lord. Well, if he glorified him, what did he do? He raised him from the dead. If he glorified you, what did he do? He raised you from the dead. That's why you already been raised from the dead. So when somebody tells you they're going to put you in a casket, does it matter? Because they can't put me in no casket. 
We used to sing a song in this church, Can't old gray hold my body down. Can't old gray hold my body down. Then God said to me, he said, what did she say? No grave. You're not going to be in no grave. You're not going to go to the grave. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. See, that's a lie. You're not going to the grave. If you're in Christ, you've been saved from death and from sin. You've been saved from hell and from the grave. Grave, where is your victory? For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle will dissolve, if this man I hear dissolve, we have, put that in the NLT, put it on the NLT. NLT, we know that when the earthly tent we live in is taken down. When they take the tent down and they leave this earthly body, leave this earthly body, we leave this earthly body, we have a house in heaven, we're going to have an eternal body made for us, eternal body made for us, not with human hands. My time is up. That's all. I'm going to stop right there. My time is up. I thank you for yours. Give the Lord a big hand. I'm telling you, boy, you don't get your information from the wrong people. My God, my God, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Can we give the Lord a great big hand? Thank God for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Thank God we have another building not made with a hand. That's who Christ is. The first man is of the earth earthly which is Adam the second man is the Lord from heaven if you in Christ you are already in thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org.